You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. As a teacher, it's kind of hard to, uh, hard to wrap my mind around that summer is coming to an end. It's a hard time of year for us. We only get two months of vacation in a row as a teacher. So it's a hard life, but somebody's got to live it. Pray for us. As we get back to work in a couple weeks, we actually still have a couple weeks left, so we'll survive. Uh, no, I appreciate Kristen praying for us. Um, that is my prayer this morning, that the Spirit would speak to us and through us. We're going to be talking about the church, so this one's going to hit pretty close to home, and how the church interacts with neighbors, so how we, as the body of Christ, live and interact with the people we come in contact with on a daily basis. I'm hoping to answer three questions this morning. The first one is, who is the church? The second one is, who are our neighbors? And then the third question would be, putting the two together, how do we interact? So first question, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, if you have your Bible. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, In this passage, bless you, in this passage, Paul talks a lot about reconciliation. He uses the word reconciliation quite a bit. And in the Greek, reconciliation means an exchange. But it's not a one-for-one exchange. It's not a fair exchange. Um, If you guys have ever been to a white elephant gift exchange, it's a little bit more like that. There's uh, most of us just bring like a $10 gift or a $20 gift, depending on the cap. There's always that one person who makes it hard on everybody else. Uh, My wife and I went to a gift exchange quite a few years ago, and for our gift, we just found something in our closet that I think had been gifted to us. We weren't using it, so we brought it to the gift exchange to re-gift. And everybody swaps their gifts back and forth. And at the end of the time, Angelica ended up with a necklace. Uh, For both of us, I wasn't too pumped about it. But uh, the owner of the necklace was like, hey, Angelica, open up the necklace. She opens it up. And inside the case is $250 cash money. So we brought this piece of trash out of our closet (laughs) and exchanged it for a necklace, which I gave to Angelica, and I got the money. So it was, it was a pretty sweet deal. That is the kind of exchange we're talking about on a much smaller scale. Uh, reconciliation means an exchange to make things right or to bring harmony. In verse 21, we see the type of exchange that God offers to humanity. God in Christ offers us the exchange of our sinful lives 
our lives that deserve the punishment of death, for the wages of sin is death. You've heard that verse before. But instead, God offers reconciliation through Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life that fulfilled the law, and by placing our faith in Jesus, we are offered the exchange of his perfect life that fulfilled the law and his death that paid the penalty of sin. Our lives can then be exchanged with Jesus so that God can look at us and see his son. Through Christ and through that exchange, God brings harmony and intimacy and true reconciliation, not only between us and God, a vertical relationship, if you will, also that reconciliation spreads horizontally through us and through the church. Uh, if you've heard the word shalom before, um, it's a, a Jewish word, Hebrew word. I don't speak either one, so I don't know exactly, but a friend of mine who's a Bible teacher was talking about the threads of this idea of shalom from the garden throughout the Old Testament, the Jewish people, and even on now into the work of the church, we work to bring shalom, which is kind of a holistic peace that seeks well-being, not only for ourselves, for our neighbor, for our cities, for our country, for the world, ultimately. We seek that shalom reconciliation, and it isn't just reconciliation if someone uh, commits a sin or a wrong against me. It could be um, illness or financial disaster or a natural disaster, where we see broken things in the world the church, the body of Christ, as ministers of reconciliation, we seek to bring healing and wholeness and harmony in our world. Whether it's our fault or not, we're trying to bring healing to our world. Let's look back at verses 17 through 20. In these verses, based on that exchange that we already talked about, we see three defining characteristics of a believer. In verse 17... Paul talks about the new creation. This is good news. No matter who you were or who you are right now in Christ, you are offered a reconciliation to become a new creation. No matter uh, what you've done, where you've come from, um, there is hope for healing and brokenness being brought right before God. Uh, your new creation identity is an ambassador Christ. We see that in verse 20. 18 and 19 talk about the ministry that we're given. With our identity comes work, the ministry of reconciliation. And then ultimately, Paul tells us in verse 20, the message of reconciliation is be reconciled to God. Um, for, for us to fulfill our calling, we need to see and work towards all three of these things in our lives. If you have the new creation identity, you're given the ministry of reconciliation, and with that ministry comes the message. And there are, there are a lot of organizations, nonprofits, good people out there who will do nice things for people, who will bring reconciliation. Let's say um, your neighbor is old and can't rake her leaves. It's a really nice thing to rake her leaves. That's a great thing to do. Anyone can do that. Not everybody will, for sure. But if you're out there and you're doing the work, the ministry of reconciliation, Make sure that you're bringing with you the message of why and how and where that spirit of reconciliation comes from. Preach the gospel as we perform the ministry of reconciliation. They go hand in hand. With this identity that God gives us, and the ministry and the message, there should be momentum in our lives. We're made new in Christ. 
uh, like the song we sang, we're like a garden that the Spirit is tending. Timothy and I didn't plan that, actually. That was just uh, natural. Supernatural. That's what I meant. Uh, living things grow. We planted a garden uh, this spring. My daughter's here, Meridian. Hello. Uh, she helped us. Uh, this first picture up here, I actually have a few pictures. Uh, that's Meridian and Jude out there working in the land. Uh, we clear the, clear the ground. Uh, the next picture shows some seeds. We actually like put seeds. I didn't. Angelica did. She put those seeds in those little things, and we put those in the ground. Uh, the next picture is where it gets tough. You can see it's getting hot. It's summertime. Uh, yeah, gardens, you really have to work for them. You've got to pull the weeds. You've got to water it every day. But this next picture makes it all worth it. The fruit of your labor, the produce. That's actually from the farmer's market. Uh, this, this next picture is my garden. Yeah, yeah. I am ashamed to show you this picture. I took that picture. I've cut the grass since then. I'm not a total heathen, but... Uh, yeah, that's my garden. And you may notice that it doesn't look great. Uh, actually... That's like 200 square feet of garden. You want to know how much produce I got out of there this summer? Three cherry tomatoes. They're like this big. Three cherry tomatoes for all our hard work. And the reason why it went so wrong is because I'm not a gardener. I uh, did a lot of things this summer. I was a lot of people, none of which were a gardener. We're doing the work of gardening. I, I wanted to go out there and clear the land and throw those seeds in there and come back a little while later and just eat delicious fruits and veggies. And that's not how a garden works, and neither is that how our ministry works. If we're new creations, we're alive in Christ, we actually are going to have to put the work in on a regular basis, not just uh, on Sundays when we show up to church, or not just if we go to a camp or have that experience once in a while. It's a daily, weekly rhythm that we follow as living creatures. And uh, as you see, the garden that I planted is horrible. The weeds grew up and choked out all the beneficial plants that we had planted in there. And just like my garden, if we are not careful, if we don't show and prove ourselves trustworthy as God entrusts us with the ministry of reconciliation, we will experience the same thing, but in our lives. The proverbial weeds of pride gossip, apathy, um, the kind of things that you have to actively work towards weeding out in your life will sneak in and they will smother the fruit of your ministry of reconciliation. We need help. We need to do that together. Um, if I ever try and plant a garden, I need you guys to tell me not to do it. That's not me. I need to give up. Uh, the farmer's market is great. There are a couple of them around here. I just need to do that. Uh, we also need each other to tell us good truths and hard truths as we go about our daily lives trying to follow Jesus. The church is the community of reconciled new creation people. In that passage we just read, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20, Paul refers to believers only once with a singular pronoun. All the rest of the time, he refers to we and us as the group of the followers of Jesus. 
when you are saved, Jesus calls you by name, personally, to come and follow him. But as you follow Jesus, you're actually aligning yourself and falling into a group of other people who are following Jesus. So your calling is personal. Your mission is communal. I think I have a slide for that. We must be involved in community, not only for other people, but just for ourselves. I don't do a lot of things well if I try and do them by myself. That's just a, a fact I've learned in my life. We reflect God in this. God himself is communal. Think about the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God's very nature, his essence, is community. We reflect that. The church, we as a group, is the vehicle by which God spreads the ministry of reconciliation to the ends of the earth. What we do here on a Sunday morning and what each of you do as we spread, we're gathered here today, right now, we're going to spread as we leave this place. The spread work of the church reconciles the lost to Christ. So at the end of time, we'll be gathered around the throne, worshiping Jesus with people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people group from the ends of the earth, uh, which is incredible to think about. They will be reconciled to Jesus reconciled with one another because of what we do. We are entrusted with that message of reconciliation and sent forth. It's not just for us. We're reconciled to God and then sent forth to reconcile our fellow human beings. God has entrusted us with the message of reconciliation and each of us must fulfill that mission not only for ourselves but for our fellow people that we see on Sunday mornings. We're incredibly important to each of us. I need people in my life. You probably need people in your life. Um, uh, an analogy of this is if you're driving along, if you've ever been driving along, maybe you went on summer vacation and you're driving along the highway, you go to change lanes, put your blinker on, hopefully, use your blinkers. You start to slide over and realize that there's somebody there already. And you almost get in a wreck. You slide back over. Is that just me? <laughs> uh, that, that would be called a blind spot. And blind spots are not just in your car, they're in your life as well. There are areas of my life that I've either grown numb to or I'm blind to, the way I was brought up, the way um, that my family acted. Those are blind spots in our lives. And it's hard for me to see the sin that is crouching at my door. Like God said to Cain, be, be careful, be aware, sin is crouching at your door. Sin is hiding from us in our lives. We need community to help us see that. Those are uncomfortable conversations, and we need a little bit of buy-in, um, like Kristen talked about with small groups. Small groups are a great place for that to happen, because if I have a tough conversation with you, it's easy in our society, especially we're a very mobile society, it's easy to cut and run. Someone says something uncomfortable, I don't like that person, I'm out of here. But if we have some buy-in, and we're going to see these people on a regular basis, we build up that relational equity, and by that equity, we're able to... Um, say some hard things that are good for us, good for our character, and good for the ministry of reconciliation. Um, my wife and I try and practice um, this thing we call um, checking our blind spots. Um, if you have some, some close friends, it's best with um, someone you trust, someone who you know will not just say what you want to hear, which uh, is uncomfortable. I'm not very good at that. I like people to like me. Um, I want people to think I'm a nice guy. So it's hard to say 
difficult truth sometimes. Um, my wife and I are trying to practice this more often. We were um, in Florida uh, a few weeks ago, and we spent a week with some really dear friends of ours. We've known them for a really long time. Uh, we stayed in their home. We have three kids. They have three kids. We're just living life for like a week. So many kids. So much work to do. Uh, you really get to know someone that way. And towards the end of the week, um, after we'd gotten the kids to bed and cleaned up from dinner, we sat down with them. And we were like, hey, where do you see sin in our lives? Where do you see um, the need for the Spirit to be at work in us? And they had some feedback for us, which uh, was uncomfortable. Um, and it was really good. It was hard to hear, which any type of feedback like that is hard to hear, but it's healthy for me and healthy for us, for our marriage, healthy for the way that we parent our children and the way that we are neighbors to those whom the Lord has called us to live next to. Um, I definitely recommend that practice. You're going to have to ask multiple times, and why it's better to ask is it takes down one barrier of um, entry. It's a hard conversation. Make it easier. If Oliver and I are meeting up for coffee on a weekly basis, or we're in a small group, and I see something in Oliver's life, and I'm like, hey, man, you need to change. Oliver's like, who are you? But if he comes to me humbly and is like, hey, can you give me some feedback in my life? It makes it a lot easier to share that if you're asking for that difficult conversation. So I recommend that practice. Um, find some friends who will tell you something hard to hear. Don't have those friends? That is something that we're going to talk about next. Uh, do you have someone in your life who will tell you something about yourself that you don't want to hear? That's a good friend. Um, as we move towards the next question, who is my neighbor? Um, the first commandment, Jesus sums up the law and the prophets, actually, in two commandments. He says the first is to love the Lord your God. If you guys know it, you can shout it out with me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And somebody asks Jesus, who's my neighbor? Jesus answers. When Jesus gives you a direct answer in the Bible, we're going to use it. So the question is, who is my neighbor? Jesus answers the question in Luke 10, 25 through 37, with the parable of the Good Samaritan. If you're familiar with the parable, uh, there's a man on a journey he is robbed. They beat him practically to death, strip him, steal all his stuff, and leave him in the road to die. Uh, two people just are on the road and see him laying there, dying in the road, and go to the other side of the street and just keep walking on their way. Two people. The third person, who is a Samaritan, and in that day and age, the Jews, Jesus' audience, would not have liked Samaritans. That was not a good hero for the story. But Jesus uses a Samaritan, and the Samaritan sees the man in need, sees the man laying in the path, binds up his wounds, puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn, and sees that the man has enough money to be cared for and brought back to healing. Sees that he is restored and reconciled to health. Jesus says that that man proved to be the neighbor. And it's not about um, geography. Uh, it's not about uh, even necessarily relational capacity as much as 
the need, the need that you see. So the question maybe, rather than who is my neighbor, uh, might be where is the need? We're all called to different places. We all have different walks of life and different workplaces or play places, all that kind of stuff. Where do you see need? That need is going to point you to your neighbor. It's a simple answer. Uh, I know for myself, I try to complicate it. I try and make excuses um, about why I shouldn't help or why I'm too busy or why they're not my neighbor. It's a really simple, Jesus gives a very simple answer for us. Where's the need? That's your neighbor. So how do we interact? Third question, how do we arrange our lives to live as ambassadors for Christ, that identity, fulfilling the ministry of reconciliation rooted and grounded in the local church where we meet um, and proclaiming the message of reconciliation? How do we do that with our daily lives? I drew this little diagram up here. Uh, two circles, there we go. Uh, two circles is a Venn diagram, apparently. Uh, circle on the left is going to represent the church, Big C Church, the church um, that we see globally. The circle on the right is going to represent neighbors or people who are far from God, maybe that don't know the Lord. Um, left side is going to be close, right side is going to be far. Group number one is representative of those in your life who are connected to God. They know God really well. They know you really well. These would be your uh, very much in circle. They're close to you. They're close to God. This is a refreshing, uh, life-giving relationship. You could say your, your best friends here. Group number two would be connected to God and in community with you. So people you see on a regular basis, you have a lot of commonalities, uh, shared mission, you're meeting as a church potentially, you see them in small group, you're going to have rhythms and proximity with these people. Group number three here, we see the intersection of the two circles. These could be people in church, or these could be people out of church, could be believers or unbelievers, they're going to be the needs that you see in your life. So your neighbors, essentially. This is going to be your direct mission field, and you're going to share that mission with your ones and twos. We as a church should um, uphold one another, strengthen each other in the work that we've been called to do, and three right here is going to be where you feel uh, the most supported and upheld, where you're working um, in your sweet spot, really. Four would be, we're getting a little bit farther out. These are people that are non-believers. They're not really close to you. Maybe you don't know. Maybe if you, um, let's say you're a mom, you go to the park on a weekly basis. The way your kid's schedule works out, you're there at 9.30 a.m. And there's somebody else there like every day that you're there. You don't know her and her kids, but it wouldn't be way out of your way to start up a conversation. It wouldn't be awkward. So someone who you like see around, you could introduce yourself and have a conversation with them. That's going to be, um, like Jesus said, sending laborers out into the harvest where we actually have to go out and work to have a conversation and see, explore if these people are people of peace and if the Spirit of God is at work in them. We seek where the Spirit is at work. Uh, number five, group number five would be far from God. They don't know God. Maybe they've had a bad experience. They want nothing to do with the church, nothing to do with God, potentially nothing to do with you. 
uh, this would be not where you want to spend your time. This could be a family member, a neighbor. This could be someone who you see somewhat regularly, but they do not want. Um, they are not about the message of reconciliation or the messengers of reconciliation. This would not be a person of peace. How does this help us um, organize our lives? Think for a second with me. If you were to look at your calendar over the past month, and you were to kind of divide your relationships and the time that you spent with people into one of these circles, would you say that you spent the majority of your time in one of these circles? Let's say I spend all my time pretty much with ones and twos. I could look at my calendar and say, I'm probably living a pretty comfortable, cozy life which can be nice for seasons. Maybe we are, we're in a season of rest. Remember, though, that we're called to the work. You're called to go forth and make disciples. So your ones and twos already know the Lord. If you're always spending time with believers, you need to pray for people in your life who don't know the Lord, and you need to uh, get out of your comfort zone a little bit, which is hard. Let's say the other side of that, you are spending time with fours and fives all the time. Maybe you have a busy work schedule, you work a lot of hours, and your coworkers are not believers, you struggle to make it to church, you're not in a small group, you are going to be pretty far on that work side of the pendulum. And that's a, um, a tough place to sustainably live. If we're called to work in community, we're called to be um, upheld and sustained by our brothers and sisters, um, be careful that you do not spend your whole life uh, with fours and fives. You have the relationships with non-believers, but you need your brothers and sisters to uphold you in the work of the mission. So you, on the hand, opposite from the other ones, you would need to be praying for those ones and twos. Pray for friends. Pray for community. Pray for uh, a small group, especially we're, we're about to kick off small groups here. Pray for that. If the Lord is calling you to join a small group or start a small group, be open to where the Spirit is leading you. We need ones and twos in our lives. We need our brothers and sisters in Christ. We also need fours and fives. We need people who don't know the Lord just as much. I don't know if I should say that, but we need to be going out into the mission field. Certainly. Like I said earlier, if you're a living, new creation person, you should be experiencing growth and momentum in your life. So these Circles, the numbers in the circles, should not be stagnant as we pray and seek the work of ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. We should see the Spirit at work reconciling unbelievers to God and reconciling unbelievers to us or other believers to us. So your four could become a three or someone else's four could be my uh, friends or small group members, three. Um, a story of this would be Angelica bought something on Facebook Marketplace. She shows up at the lady's house, and is Mary here? I don't think so. A couple of girls, turns out, uh, lived right across the street from the Facebook Marketplace lady. And Angelica starts talking to her. She's going through a hard time in life. She's got some stuff going on. Um, Angelica gets to talk with her a little bit, pray with her, send her a couple, little extra money on Venmo, something like that. But She's got kids in the car, busy schedule, got to run. So she checks in with the ladies like, hey, 
I actually go to church with the people across the street from you. And the lady's like, yeah, Kristen and Mary. They've already connected with me. They gave me a gift card. And Kristen and Mary had started that, the conversation at least, of reconciliation, being neighbors to this lady in need. So a five or a four for Angelica, she was on the move. She was gone. She didn't have time or space to check in with that lady. Four or five for Angelica could be a three for someone else in our body of believers or a different church. Our circles will overlap. And the more that you're connected, you're living in community, your circles will overlap more closely. You will be supported in your ministry and we will see the work of the Spirit in other people's lives. I have a couple of intentional questions for us. This can just be ways that if you have those ones and twos, uh, you could ask these questions with them. How do I represent Christ as I live out my identity as a minister of reconciliation? So think of ways. What are you doing during the week that shows your identity as a minister of reconciliation? And then question number two, where am I not living out that identity? Where are you not being an ambassador, but instead are blending into the world? Um, I think about the word assimilation. Um, Here, if you have ever been to a different country, or you have a friend with a really strong accent, you start hanging out with them long enough, you're like, when did I become British? Like, you, you start talking and looking and acting like the people that you're around. And that's another very important reason why we need community to swing into those different places. You're on a pendulum. You need to exist with your community, the reconciled community, the church community, and you need to swing out into work in the harvest. We need each other. Um, I have the band come back up. Um, and I, I think about, when I think about reconciliation, I talk about um, the parable of the prodigal son. I think there's reconciliation, as we talked about, um, a couple different ways. And the parable of the prodigal son really shows both of those ways in which God is about the business of reconciliation. Uh, The prodigal son was the son who demanded his inheritance and ran out, squandered it, wasted it, runs out of money, eating with the pigs, he's down in the dumps. When he realizes that he has nothing else to live for, he starts to make his way back to the father. The father represents God. And God sees the son from a long way off and runs to him. God runs to reconcile with his son. He says, my son who is dead is here and is alive again. And that's the heart of the father for the lost. God runs in the story. The father hikes up his robes, makes himself undignified, and runs to reconcile with the son. So that would be one way that God reconciles. After the son is brought home, they have a party. They're celebrating the life of the son being reconciled back to the father. The older son, who represents believers in the story, us who have been in the church for a long time, uh, maybe if we're jaded or we're not expectant of the spirit, we've given up, we've assimilated into the culture, we're not excited about the ministry of reconciliation. We don't expect it. We don't look for it. We don't work towards it. We're out doing our own thing, oblivious or ignorant, of the work that the Father has going on. And the Father still runs to make reconciliation, both with the lost, who have given up on Christianity or never known him at all, also with us here in the church. The Father seeks reconciliation with with God, with us, and for that reconciliation to spread into our homes and into our workplaces 
throughout our daily lives. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.